0: Women in White Coats is here to uplift women doctors just like you. Empowering you in your personal and professional life. I'm
1: Dr. Amber Robbins.
0: And I'm Dr. Archana Shrestha. We are doctors, best-selling authors, and the co-founders of Women in White Coats.
1: Now, are you ready for a culture shift where women empower women?
0: Join us to get a glimpse of what life is like as a woman doc.
1: And guess what? You'll discover that you're not alone.
0: We're here to give you positivity and keys to balancing your life. This is the Women in White Coats podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Dr. Archana Shrestha, and I'm really excited to be talking with Dr. Kimberly Brown. Hello, Dr. Kimberly. How are you? I'm doing well. So I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Today, we're going to be talking about the oral board exam, which you just took. Was it last yeah. week? Um, I think now it's like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Okay. So you know what? We decided that we wanted to talk about this because this is something that um, a lot of doctors have to take Um, as part of their certification um, to become board certified. So I know for emergency medicine, we're both emergency physicians. We had to both take it. And I believe also a lot of the surgical specialties, general surgery and surgical subspecialties have to take it. Um, So for those of you guys who are listening, who are in med school or residency, um, you may or may not have to take this oral board exam depending on what specialty you take. But before we dive deeper into what it's like to take oral boards and kind of have a conversation about that, I'm gonna um, let Dr. Kimberly introduce herself a little bit more. Um, Kim, tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you practice, where you live, um, and what else you're up to.
1: So I am originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, born and raised. I went to undergrad um, in Nashville, Tennessee, Fisk University. And I got a master's in public health from the University of Florida, and then I went all the way south from Wisconsin to um, Dominica West Indies. I graduated from Ross University Medical School. Um, It's now in Barbados. And I just recently finished my emergency medicine residency um, at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in Memphis. And I'm currently practicing community medicine and uh, community emergency medicine in um, the greater Memphis area.
0: Okay, awesome. So um, basically you finished residency last June, right? The end of June? Yes, Okay. So yeah, let's just kind of walk people through it. Like, how does it work? So you finish residency, and then how do you become board certified for emergency medicine?
1: So for emergency medicine, right before we actually finished um, residency and was about to graduate, we had a um, representative from ABIM, for uh, those of you who don't know, that's the American Board of Emergency Medicine. Um, and they came to visit our program, and they kind of gave us an overview about how you know, becoming board certified works, the benefits of it and all those other things. So how emergency medicine works is that um, once you finish um, residency, you are automatically board eligible um, for a five year period of time. Um, And so then you are able to, while you're board eligible, able to become board certified. So um, the first step to becoming board certified is of course, finishing residency. That's number one. Number two is, taking the qualifying exam, which is a written exam. I don't remember how many hours or questions it was because I tend to take tests and finish them early.
0: (laughs) It's done me well so far. I think it was like a one of those all day.
1: Yeah, um, it's an all day test, but it didn't take me all day to take. It took a while, but not all day. Yeah, somewhere like
0: like six to eight hours. Yeah, six to 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 eight hour
1: hour tests. Um, and let's say maybe 300 or so questions plus or minus minus, um, and you take that at a prometric center and for emergency medicine that is only offered one time a year and that is in november um, and so you um, pay money and you register for the test and then you go ahead study for it and you take it so once you um, pass your qualifying exam Um, they will let you know that you are eligible to take your oral boards. And that is the second step um, and the final step to do, or the third step and the final step to becoming board certified. So um, for emergency medicine, um, the oral boards are offered two times a year. Um, It's either in spring or in the fall. Um, I believe it is in April and in October, which one I just took. Um, You can switch it around if something is, you know, coming up, major like a wedding or things like that, a a big piece of travel, you can request to switch your your session to be before or after, et cetera, and so forth. But you go ahead and you pay a deposit and you start studying for that exam. um, And then you take that. And in 90 days, within 90 days, they told me, (laughs) they will let me know if I passed or not.
0: So. Yeah, so I think you probably came to Chicago, right? You were in Chicago, and that's where, um, for the oral boards for emergency medicine, everyone comes to Chicago, which is where I live.
1: <laughs> yes, I rem- and I, you know what? I think almost every specialty goes to the same hotel, the same setup, et cetera, and so forth, because pretty much everybody I know that's either OBGYN, general surgery, they're like, oh yeah, they say the exact same hotel name. So I think this hotel is probably just set up for for doctors just to go in there and get grilled.
0: Isn't that uh, For his
1: same period of time.
0: Wow. Yeah, none of us are ever going to go there to stay for fun. That's for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's too many bad um, kind of nightmares, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I took my oral boards like 10 years ago. And I thought it'd be kind of fun for us to have this discussion and kind of like, you know, talk about it and what it's like, because it is kind of an unusual experience because you're like in this hotel. It's like in the suburbs of Chicago, kind of near O'Hare, Mm -hmm. At this hotel, and um, you're supposed to go through these cases with an examiner and pretend like it's real life. And I'm doing air quotes, you know, Um, pretend it's like a real patient that you're seeing. So, yeah, kind of walk us through like, what was it like um, your day of the exam? And, you know, basically, for those people who are like, okay, what does oral boards mean? It basically means that instead of a written test, like, there's going to be an examiner. telling you like, you know, 34 year old male presents to the emergency department with shortness of breath and just kind of set up the scenario for you. And so you basically are talking back and forth with the examiner about what you're going to do and how you're going to handle the situation. So, yeah, tell us more about what it was like.
1: Exactly. So it's just a way for the boards to try to examine you clinically without actually coming to your place of work and watching you go through patients and and your thought process, process, et cetera, and so forth. So so basically, yeah, it's just kind of like what you said. So you go in a hotel room um, and you are sitting across from an examiner and they have kind of like folders sitting up in front of you. And now um, for emergency medicine, we have what's called e-oral. So there's also a computer screen Um, That has a um, just like kind of like a stick figure, not a stick figure, but like a just a generic looking human, kind of trying to simulate uh, like an EMR type of thing to kind of give you some more tactile information. Um, Because before it was just you talking to an examiner, um, they will give you paper labs, they'll give you a like a film, plain film x ray, all of those things. But anyhow, um, so it's just like a way to examine you clinically. So what you do is like you said, you go in and they, you have to click and say, yes, this is me, um, you know, verifying, you know, everything you can, you can write on scrap paper. They have official scrap paper that you can use to take notes. So it's not just you just going off of your head. Um, and so the case begins, you have about 15 minutes if you're doing um, what's called a single patient, or you have about 30 minutes if you're doing what's called a, a multiple or a triple patient. And so they'll have, um, let's see, I don't wanna to get too far ahead of myself. Um, so they'll, they'll basically just start saying you know, information and they'll, the examiner is basically everybody that you would encounter in the emergency room, meaning they're the patient, they're the nurse, they're your consultant. So any questions that you have, um, you would talk just directly to the examiner and it's good to think out loud um, and kind of educate and talk to the patient just like you would do. Like, okay, a 34-year-old male, let's say comes in with shortness of breath, you you know, get a full history and physical, find out he's wheezing, find out he has a history of asthma. Okay, I'm thinking this is asthma, I'm less likely to think that this is a pneumothorax because of my chest X-ray or um, I don't think this is pneumonia because this patient is afebrile, et cetera, and so forth. He has a history of asthma. Let's go ahead and give him a breathing treatment, meaning you have to get real specific, the treatment, and then also disposition the patient, like check on the patient, see if if they're getting better, if they're getting worse, and figure out if it's safe for them to get admitted or if it's okay for them to go home. You're just talking through it. Everything that you normally do, you just have to verbalize it in front of an examiner. And I think it's it's it was kind of easier for me because I have kind of like a theater acting type of background that I can just kind of just pretend. And in my mind, I would just try to, you know, imagine the patient and not necessarily just think about, I'm just talking to an examiner. I just tried to just let my mind just go there and pretend I was actually there, so. Yeah, you kind
0: of have to like suspend your disbelief, right? And like really like put yourself in the moment. But then the weird part about it is it's so, it's kind of like this artificial environment. You're like, okay, I'm not even in the ER yet. I'm supposed to pretend you're an ER patient. And then, you know, it's just kind of like weird, like out of context. That was my feeling on it. I'm like, this is just so weird. And, um, And then just like the whole part about like, you know, when you're in the ER, there's so many things that are already done for you, right? Like you don't have to ask for an IV most of the time to be started. It's like started in triage for you You've got text. So there's so much stuff that's happening simultaneously as you might right. be talking to a patient, especially like a critical patient. Like we know how it is, right? It's like, you know, you it's got warming. two techs, you got two nurses, you got a doctor in the room, you know, like multiple things are happening at once. So that's kind of like the tricky part, right? Cause it's such an artificial environment mm-hmm. and there's none of the visual prompts that you normally would have.
1: True. Um,
0: so it's kind of like hard to get into, that was my take on it. It was like kind of like hard to get into like the role really. Um, and, and one of the other things that I think that they're testing you on is your bedside manner.
1: Yes, they definitely want to make sure that you're personable and nice and you're not a jerk to your patients. <laughs> they, they really want you to want to make sure of that as well. But no, exactly what you were saying, especially like in real life, things are happening simultaneously. Um, I'm talking the respiratory if I'm about to, you know, intubate a critical patient. I've got, like you said, multiple people that are doing all of these things, putting the patient on the monitor, starting multiple IVs, getting fluids hung or what have you. Um, I found it the trickiest to um, to make sure that I was going through everything in an order on my trauma patients because everyone knows, especially in surgery and emergency medicine, trauma is just A B C D E F. Start again, A B C D E F, just all over until you get them stabilized and then kind of just kind of go from there. So in real life, of course, everybody is doing something in a trauma, you know, resuscitation, but you have to say airway their breathing their circulation what's their disability let's expose them let's get a fast foley all kinds of things so
0: we hope you're enjoying this podcast episode let's take a quick commercial break Have you ever felt like you've achieved career success as a doctor, but you're not happy? Like you sacrificed so much to arrive at the promised land, but then you look around and you think, is this it? Maybe you're going through things that your male colleagues just don't get. That even though you wear a white coat, people don't realize you are a doctor at all. It can be exhausting. Well, we get you and we know what you are going through. I'm Dr.
1: Archana. And I'm Dr. Amber. And that's why we created a conference specifically to uplift women doctors like you. It's time for you to relax, grow, and connect with women doctors at our second annual Women in White Coats Conference and Wellness Retreat from April 30th to May 2nd, 2020. Join us for this three-day retreat at the gorgeous Chateau Alain Winery and Resort just outside of Atlanta.
0: Relax over yoga and meditation Grow by listening to CME presentations and connect with other positive women doctors over wine and dinner.
1: And you'll return home feeling rested, rejuvenated, and with the skills to have a fulfilling career as a woman in a white coat. To register, go to womeninwhitecoats.com forward slash events. We can't wait to see you at the conference.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, what was always interesting in my, from what I was studying, what I remember was like, they would like drill at home. Like if you ever took one of those prep courses, you're like, remember the tetanus shot, like you could fail, you could like save this theoretical patient's life. Right. And they're like this major multi-system trauma, but then you forget the tetanus and you like fail the case. Yes, (laughs) You're like, well, I just saved their whole life. And like, you know, I did everything, but I forgot the tetanus. So, I mean, talk about that. Like, so what kind of system did you have? Because that was a big thing that I learned when I was taking oral boards is like, have a system, like like you said, with the trauma, so that right. you're making sure you're not missing anything. So, what kind of systems did you kind of practice to make sure you wouldn't miss like those little things?
1: Right. So, to back up, yes, speaking of oral boards, review tests, or review courses, I definitely did that. Um, so, I did the Illinois um, ASAP course, and that is actually hosted at the hospital. I mean, not at the hospital. We call it ABM General. Like, oh, you're an ABM General today. That's what they tell you all day long. But anyways, at the same hotel um, that you'll be taking the test in. And so that actually helps me a lot. I actually did stay in the rooms um, that somebody, I'm sure, was getting tested in. But it, it felt different. It felt more relaxed. And that was, of course, before I took the exam. So I felt really comfortable on the day of, but I liked um, Illinois ASAP because one, it was recommended highly by other emergency physicians. And two, again, it was hosted at the same hotel. So you had less of the jitters. You knew exactly what you were going into. You had been there, you know, about a month before. So it just felt like, okay, now it's time for the real deal. Um, But they did a really good job at simulating the test environment for us and also giving us like practice sheets that look just like the paper that we had um, on the actual oral boards to actually take notes when you're um, on in the case, but they also gave us hints on how to um, how to take notes. And so, of course, they recommended that you can take theirs or, um, you know, come up with a system on your own. And I ended up using one of the systems that they they showed me there. Um, but there was a couple of things that I always wanted to start off with, which is, number one, what do I see, hear, and smell <laughs> when I walk in the room? The, every every emergency physician knows to ask that. And then um, let's get them on the cardiac monitor, IV, let's get them on some oxygen, draw some blood to hold. You, you kind of have to just run through this little speech, even though in real life, that's what's going to happen. Um, and... I just wrote, like, um, I had little marks on my my figure to know, to make sure that I'm going to do a neuro exam, check the skin, look at their back, make sure I'm doing a complete physical exam. Um, skin, back, genitals, or saying I'm going to re- defer that because it's not pertinent to today's exam or to today's complaint, et cetera, and so forth. So um, Illinois ASEP, which is, this is not sponsored by them, but this (laughs) is, that was a really great course to take for me and I'm glad that I did.
0: Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I remember in residency we used to practice doing oral board cases on like our um, grand rounds days and stuff. And um, it was like, IVO2 monitor, IVO2 monitor. Like we just get so used to like, I, I'm pretty sure we would like just wake up in the middle of the night and someone- say IVO2 like, monitor. IVO2 monitor. That's like every patient needed an IV oxygen, you know.
1: Be on the, monitor. Be on the
0: yes. monitor. So <laughs> That was kind of like, yeah, you got to get into those systems of like what you have to say. And essentially, you know, in a way most tests, it's kind of like, you got to play the game, right? You got to know right. how to play the game. I mean, there's basically looking for certain things. Um, these aren't like, was there anything super off the wall that you're like, what are they trying to get to? Or was, it was, I, th- I think like for my cases, there's a lot of bread and butter, but mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a couple things. Like if you forgot to do like a skin exam, then you're going to miss like a really important finding or right. if you forgot to do a neuro exam. But, and then, and then things would start to get ugly if you miss that key thing. Right. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, I think a lot of these are pretty, I don't know. What, 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 is, what was your take on it? Was it pretty bread and butter? Were there things that were like zebras? You're like, I don't really know what they're getting at.
1: My clinical, my clinical, my, my best gestalt, I'm so in the mindset still. Um, my best gestalt of it was is that, that I didn't see anything that I had never done before. There was really no zebras. Um, And I actually practiced um, with a group um, of some other docs that were taking it at the same time. Um, And so we would give each other cases. And I use this book. It's called, it's by Akuta is the last name of one of the authors. It's really big and it's full of cases. But I felt like that book was way harder um, and pushed me way further than the actual exam um, actually did. And, And I think that's an excellent thing. I would rather overstudy than understudy. But on the actual test, um, no, I don't think that I had any weird zebras. And I think probably because I was on one of the last um, people to test for this period, I tested on a Tuesday. And I think that was the last day I was in the morning group, though. Um, they're really quick about if there's nothing there, they'll just say normal, normal, normal and push you along. Um, so you'll know that there's you know, really nothing there. Don't dwell on that too much, you know, get to where you really want to get to, but they know that you're trying to go through all of the the things that you're going through, but no zebras. Um, And for me, they didn't ask me to go through all of the procedures um, that they were asking me to do. Like I, wanted to describe to them in detail what you you should go ahead and start doing when you're when you're taking the exam it's like if you're going to do let's say a central line um you know walk through exactly verbally how you would get ready to do a central line like go ahead and do you know sterile procedure um you know nest and anest- clean and anesthetize i'm going to use this walk it all through verbalize and if they don't want to hear that they'll just say okay central lines in and et cetera, so forth. You don't have to go through all the details. So that was another thing that was good is that it just kind of like, they just wanted you to hurry up and get to the results of it, for me, at least. Um, And so to kind of move the case along.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. I, I think like, especially for those people who might be listening who are in like surgical residencies, like that's, I'm sure a big thing that they want to get at is like, okay, how are going to do a cholecystectomy? Like, how are you going to do it? Like right. laparoscopic? Like, I want to know all the instruments you're using, your technique. I, I'm sure that that's probably a big Exactly. When thing. do
1: you know to go open, um, you know, et cetera, and so forth, and what complications are, you know, most likely to be seen? Yeah, et cetera, and so forth. I'm sure that's what they go through. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah exactly i mean we we haven't been there because neither of us are surgeons but no. i mean i'm presuming that that's a lot of what it is but um all right and so just maybe you can share with people like any study tips i i heard you mention um practicing cases with other people and that was something huge i remember doing with a couple of people who were emergency medicine physicians just like we like there was another colleague of mine who was taking the oral boards at the same time so we just like would meet and do cases together and that was really really helpful but any other tips that you have for people who might be listening
1: um i'd say definitely if you are not really familiar or even if you are somewhat familiar i strongly recommend taking a a course because it's mainly it you know the information but you need to know it or be able to present it in the way that um, your board wants you to. So I strongly recommend taking a course. Of course, if you're in emergency medicine, I do highly recommend the the Illinois ASAP course because of all the reasons I just said before. Um, I do recommend studying with a partner. um, And honestly, while you're working clinically and you're preparing for the boards, try to think about things that you know that your boards are gonna ask you I found myself when I was you know, on shift, literally saying to myself in my head, IVO2 monitor, when I'm walking in this room, what do I see, hear and smell? And it was kind of a joke to me in a way, but making sure I'm running through a differential in my head and you know, proving to myself why it's not this and why it's not that, et cetera and so forth. Um, so just try to make it a part of your practice, like even just silently in your head, just think of things um, while you're working clinically um but the at least for emergency medicine it was high stress and then it was like low stress like the actual um testing was kind of like the jittering you know the first couple of cases when you're getting in there you don't know of course what you're gonna get but then you start to get in the flow of it so the day before just chill don't overstudy Um, Just kind of relax, whether it be going to dinner with some friends and getting to bed early, whatever you like to do, to relax. I actually hung out with um, a friend of mine. We had a nice dinner and then I went to sleep at a decent hour um, and got up to take the test. Um, Let's see what else. Also, wear something that makes you feel good. Now, most of us have to wear like suits. But I wore a top under my suit that I knew was going to make me feel nice and fun, and etc. So well, wear comfortable shoes. Don't wear anything that's don't wear a girdle or a pair of Spanx that's going to suck you in too tight and you know it pinches you on the side. Don't do that because it's going <laughs> to be miserable. You're going to be miserable during the whole thing and trying to pull it. And don't do that. Wear things that look professional and comfortable, but make you feel good. Because when you feel good and you know that you look good, then you're confident and you test well um and then once you walk out of the room try to forget about it like what's done is done once you leave the room you you said everything you 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 thought to say you ran through the case the way you felt like you um should run through the case and that's it and you can't do anything to go back and change it's not like you can knock on the door and say oh i forgot to say that i wanted them to get this now i mean it is what it is at that point so just try to like Accept it, and more importantly, when you're done, just celebrate whatever that looks like for you. And all, a lot of people will talk about going to the bar afterwards or taking a nap. So I drove actually home um, to go visit my mom in Milwaukee. So that was fun. So yeah, just study, do what you can, and then when you take it, it is what it is. Just yeah, get core back. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, the good part is, I don't know if we've mentioned this already for at least emergency medicines, you'll, uh, emergency medicine, you only take it once. Thank God. Yeah. So thank God you only take it once. So we were actually talking before we started recording about like, how does it work for emergency medicine, where basically we recertify every 10 years. And I just hit that 10 year mark. And I just took my recertification and but it was way easier let me tell you kim than the original written boards so that was good i did study hard um but for they're kind of changing things up with emergency medicine where they're Mm going to have two different options where you could either take the every 10-year exam or you can do these smaller exams every year um, as you head towards your 10-year mark again so um but yeah the good thing is um you just take it once and then it's over with and I honestly don't know anybody who hasn't passed it. I'm sure there is a, a small percentage of people who don't pass the oral boards, but everyone I, I've ever known um, who have asked, you know, from residency and everything passed it. So um, that's, that's good news. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. And even with, when I was taking my um, recertification exam, you know what, even though um, it's a pain in the butt to study, I, after a while, convinced myself that I was actually enjoying studying <laughs> because, <laughs> You kind of are like, oh, okay, certain things have changed, you know, and so it's good to get an update and you can go out there and serve your patients better with if you're like, you know, up to date knowledge and everything like that. So there's definitely it's it it does have some value. Ultimately, you know, it it does force us to get that information down pat. So Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, Kim, thanks so much for talking. This is fun. And um, I actually wanted to mention you have a podcast as well, The Real Rx. Exactly.
1: Yes, it's called The Real Rx. It's with myself and four other amazing um, female physicians. And we kind of just give you the real deal about health topics. So um, we have one out about the obesity epidemic where we had a special guest, Dr. Fatima Cody, Um, and she is an obesity medicine um, renowned expert out of Harvard. Um, She joined us for a conversation. We talk about um, diabetes. We talk about all kinds of different things. So it's good to listen, of course, if you're in medicine, but if you know someone like a family member or friend that just wants to know a little bit more about health, um, but they don't wanna hear stuffy doctors talking about medicine like this, <laughs> then have them listen to, to The Real Rx. It should be on any platform that you go ahead and listen to your podcast on.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. We'll be sure to check it out. You guys all head on over there and check it out and let people know about it. Um, thanks again for taking the time, Kim, and I'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks. Talk to you later. All right, bye. Hi there, Women Docs. We hope you've been loving this podcast and feel uplifted at the end of each and every episode. If so, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star rating and write us a positive review. Those reviews help us get the word out and help uplift and empower more women doctors. But you know what? We'd love to meet up with you in person. So head on over to womeninwhitecoats.com and sign up to become a member of our supportive tribe. When you do, you will be the first to hear about meetups in your area, as well as upcoming live events. You'll also get our latest blog articles and podcasts delivered straight to your inbox. And you'll be the first to find out about the next time we open up our virtual Doctors Lounge, an online membership community created just for women doctors, where each month we run masterclasses with guest experts and masterminds on topics relevant to women doctors. While you're on our website, womeninwhitecoats.com, order your copy of our number one best-selling book, The Chronicles of Women in White Coats. Oh, and be sure to follow us on social media too. On Instagram, you'll find us at blog, and on Facebook, you can find us at womeninwhitecoats. Can't wait to meet up soon!